Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Best of 2020 podcast. You can see this is the first year that we're doing it on video. We have the extended lineup here, are the, uh, the full Prog Report team. We're very excited to do this one. Our top podcast uh, downloaded ever right now is our Best of 2019, so, which is surprising because it features no famous people. Um, uh, but, uh, but we appreciate that, and we appreciate all the... Uh, downloads uh, and YouTube views and everything. We had a big year online, the Prague from Home concert. Uh, it was a really good year for Prague, a terrible year for everything else. But for music, it was, uh, it was a pretty fantastic year. So uh, that's why we decided to have all six of us on here. And we're going to talk about a lot of albums. Uh, but let me introduce everybody. Uh, as uh, well on the screen to my left, is Mr. Jeff Bailey. Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. And on my right is Daniel Levy. Hello. Right below me is Mr. Prognick. Hi, everybody. From a hot summer's evening in Johannesburg. <laughs> and also down below is Victor Giol. Hi, everybody. Good to, good to be here again with all these guys. And last but not least, Kyle Fagula. Hello, everybody. Happy 2020. Yeah, so um, we're recording this a few weeks uh, before the end of the year. So um, some stuff, I, most things that we're going to talk about, I think have, have come out, uh, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, basically what we're going to do, we narrowed the list down. I think we reviewed close to 50 some odd albums this year on the website. Um, and it was a lot. A lot of stuff came out. A lot of releases were pushed up to 2020. A lot of bands wrote albums only in 2020 and put them out. So it was just a barrage of music. Uh, we tried to cover as many as we could. Um, but we wanted to also give as many their due on this podcast. Normally, we cover about the top 15. What we're going to do here is we've narrowed it down to the top 18. And uh, each one of us is going to bring up three albums uh, throughout the course of the podcast. And we will try and limit this to under three hours. Now, I think we'll be less than that, but we'll see how it goes. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first uh, with my uh, first pick. And I'm going to bring up something that, uh, well, the three of my albums, I think, are pretty diverse. They cover all sorts of different genres within the prog landscape. And uh, the first one I want to bring up is the debut solo album from uh, That Joe Payne. Um, or Joe Payne, however, on this album, it goes by that Joe Payne. Um, and the album is called By Name, By Nature. And I think uh, this is not your traditional prog album. Uh, it's not something that is, you know, in the line of like Yes or Haken or Dream Theater, that kind of thing. Um, if you're familiar with him, he was the former singer of the Enid, uh, which is a uh, mostly instrumental band that started in the 70s. And in 2012, he joined them and did four albums with them uh, where he was lead vocalist. And uh, I think those albums are amazing. The first one, Invicta, that he did with them was one of my favorite records. I think it's incredible. And I've become a big fan of his uh, recently. And I think the Soul album is, um, it's different. It's not your traditional prog thing or what people might think that I might bring up. And, uh, but in the spirit of, Things that are a bit different. I thought this would be one that I wanted to represent. 
Um, there's a lot of slower things, a lot of ballads on here, but the song structures are interesting. The background vocals are really unique. Uh, the song, song links are all about six, seven minutes. Um, so I think that it's something interesting and, and uh, I would recommend it for something else that you want to inject a bit of a different style into what you listen to this year. But I think it's a great album. I listened to it a lot this year and it's still in rotation for me. By different style, you mean not progressive, right? <laughs> not traditional progressive. I mean, look, no. the, the prog term now is completely different, as we're going to cover in this podcast. I mean, no two bands are the same on, on here, and they all do different things, and they all fall under prog for some reason. I mean, the inclusion of him from the prog world is is from being in the Enid, and so that that is where he gets that prog credibility and that's where he gets that prog audience from this album is is probably a bit less so but fans of the enid will like this and they have liked it as i've seen on reviews and things like that online so yeah. um and he's in a, just one of the best singers uh in the world in my opinion he's he's an amazing uh vocalist with a ridiculous range yeah i i enjoyed it i if you like you, you may have said it in the in the run through there but if you like queen there's obviously, I think, that kind of comparison. I think it also, it feels like very sort of like British, like maybe it has an early 2000s kind of pop feel to it. So it reminded me a little bit of like Keen, like kind of like a warm, I don't know, it's like yeah. good good hooks and, uh, you know, well-recorded and it sounds cool. And But I think like the instrumentation and sort of like almost like an operatic quality at times uh, right. feels, feels very Queen. Um, Maybe a little bit of Elton John. I mean, that kind of thing. So that's where I saw it. I saw it as yeah. as where Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or something, gets brought up in prog world as as something that people like. I feel this is sort of in that family. Yeah, yeah. So that's my first one. Uh, let's see who's going uh, next. Let's uh, Kyle. You, yeah, uh, so why don't you come up? Interesting that you started with that, Joe Payne, because I'm going to follow it up with an album that's also I, I don't suspect that most people would say hey this is a prog rock album uh but it's cer certainly somewhat adjacent to uh the prog rock genre and that is uh nick DiVirgilio's invisible uh so everyone that's listening to this i would assume knows who nick is he got his start in spock's beard um i've been listening to neil's uh, testimony audiobook recently and the story of how they met each other was just a, like an open mic and their names got pulled out of a hat which is just amazing that that all led to today it's awesome uh, he was in The Fringe uh, and then is in Big Big Train now. Uh, I don't say this about many people, but he is truly a world-class drummer. Uh, he's as good as anyone I've seen. Um, Prognick can attest to that. He's also an excellent singer. He's been in Genesis, Tears for Fears, Peter Gabriel, Cirque du Soleil. And then now he mostly does videos for Sweetwater, which is no small thing. And he's very good at that. Uh, so this is a solo album. It's his follow-up to uh, an album he did in 2001 called Karma. And then he also had an EP called Pieces. 
Um, and he's joined by different musicians throughout. Of course, Nick sings and plays drums and does other things. But you've got Jim Godfrey from Frost, who I think was in uh, Prog Nick's fantasy band, if I recall correctly. Um, we also have um, his fringe bandmates uh, who are excellent in their own right. Randy McStein on guitars and then Jonas on the bass uh, and the fretless bass at times. This is, compared to those albums, much more ambitious. He did Strings at Abbey Road, so he, he had me there. Um, he did uh, individual drums, and I don't want to go into so much detail on this, but as a drummer, I, this is awesome to me. And this happens, certainly more traditionally, this would happen more so, but he picked an individual drum set for each song that he recorded. So different shells from different kits and different cymbals and maybe seven toms on one song that needed it, maybe just two on another uh, and of course, there's horns and strings and other uh, details galore. So whether it's prog or it's not, it's definitely ambitious. It's also eclectic. And I think a lot of heart went into it. So it's a good listen. Uh, tracks, uh, Turn Your Life Around, Not My Time to Say Goodbye. But there's, there's good ones throughout. My soul says farewell. It's a brilliantly diverse album, um, and and again, really all the. It feels like kind of one of those kind of albums where he's had lots of ideas and lots of bits and lots of musicians and lots of influences, and yet it, there is a sort of an underlying concept that ties it all together. But yet you could pluck any song out of it, and it kind of doesn't sound, you know, strange. It's a lot of it is very kind of everyman type stuff, you know. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's a really good album. He's the drummer, drummer, of course. But but what this album definitely showcases is really what an all-rounder Nick is. Um, you know, as a composer and and as a performer of various instruments, from guitar, he's astoundingly good. He's just an astoundingly great musician, um, and this album really shows that. You know, what an all-rounder. And so so uh, I stick with him as my choice for. Or uh, MVP, <laughs> the oh. first, the, your first choice of your band. Actually, yeah. th this album c contains two members that you chose, and maybe even another one. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, Jonas Reingold too. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say three of your favorite yeah. players. Wow. Well, and, and uh, Jordan Rudis is on it uh, as well. Sure. Uh, on the album. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, uh, a really cool record, very diverse, um, and I think he's he, he looks to be amping up his solo career a little bit now doing a lot more things online and he's done some amazing Spock's beard videos lately oh. that uh, you should check wow. out uh, that are just amazing. So uh, shout out to Nick DiVirgilio. Uh, all right, Jeff, uh, you're next. Okay. Um, my first pick, I've got it here, um, is Jack O'Jackson's oh. album, Secrets and Lies. And um, really enjoyed it. Um, 
as an album. I suppose some parallels with Nick De Virgilio in that he's someone who's been around the music scene for a long time, but hasn't made a whole lot of solo albums. Um, but and I suppose like NDVs, it's a it's a very inventive, it's a very diverse album. Um, he's got you know the opening track starts with um, Gavin Harrison. Mark King from Level 42 and Bass, and Jacko doing his kind of angular, crimsony guitar type stuff. And uh, it was sort of one of those m- albums that the first two minutes, I went, yeah, okay, this is going to be good. Um, good, strong lyrical, musical content. Um, I would say that he doesn't, you know, I suppose that one of the things, K- King Crimson have toured live a lot recently, but they haven't done a studio album uh, you know, he could have been tempted to make the Crimson studio album. He he doesn't do that. Uh, he doesn't sort of trade in that connection too much. There's a couple of tracks which he's been quite open about were were written for that purpose. But but I think it's a really good showcase for all that he's done um, throughout his career. Um, a lot of quality pro- um, musicians, really good quality production. And again, uh, if I, it's actually not here. It must because it's in the player. There's a brilliant 5.1 surround mix on this, which is one of the things that I'm into. Um, and everything from those crimsony type tracks to this layered vocal track um, called "The Borders We Traded." Um, Jacko has quite a um, eclectic background, having come from different countries and moved around, and he, and he talks about that. And it goes into a, a beautiful, um, actually, a piano instrumental played by his daughter called "Trading Borders." Um, and the album then ends um, with a song. Uh, to me, it's the song for 2020, um, Uncertain Times, um, that he co-wrote with Gavin Harrison. Um, so really, really enjoyable album for me, and um, one that I was looking forward to, and it fulfilled what I was, was hoping for. Oh, you were a big fan of that one. Yeah, I was. Sorry, I feel like it's been very uh, <laughs> me heavy to start here, but um, I'll go <laughs> quiet, I promise. I, I really enjoyed this one, and Jeff kind of said this in our group. I'm not a big King Crimson fan, and so it, it would seem like something that I wouldn't like. It, it most reminds me of Porcupine Tree. It kind of sits in that sort of, I don't know, that kind of feel and vibe, and I really like it. I like the eclectic nature of it, but everything works. I also, if you want to have some fun, go look up Jacko on Wikipedia. He has like just a really interesting life. He's sort of a renaissance man. Um, He's acted and done comedy and he's married to the original drummer of King Crimson's daughter, uh, which is just random. I'm surprised you got the gig because they're separate. Anyway, Um, but uh, he can also play lots and lots of instruments. And so he can arrange for even more. And so the album, again, it's kind of funny how we're doing these albums in order. I don't think this was intentional, but it does have very... uh, clear parallels to Nick DiVirgilio. So um, just a great album, one that I did not expect to really get into. And I've listened to it several times over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's cool to include it in the mix of this, which again, I mean, if you look at the first three records we talked about, they're all very different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and solo records by guys that have been in, 
in successful groups. Uh, all right, uh, coming up next, uh, Dan, what you got? All right, and now for another album that's very different from the other three. Uh, my first pick is going to be Sons of Apollo 20, 2020. Right? Um, this album feels like it came out a lifetime ago. We were <laughs> yeah. mentioning it before <laughs> really the podcast started. And it, it, it is titled 2020, but it doesn't feel like a 2020 album. Uh, it came out in January. Um, I was supposed to watch them live, but the tour was postponed to next year. I, I think like all of us, probably. I don't know if you guys got to watch them or not. But I did. I saw the I saw the show. It was amazing. Oh, this tour? Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I watched them last tour, and they're just insanely amazing live. And the band has such a unique dynamic. Like each member has a very characteristic sound and tone. Like if you hear Billy Sheehan bass, you know it's him. The same for Derek. Same for for Jeff. You know, and and so it goes. Uh, Bumblefoot. Uh, but still, like as an as a unit. It sounds very cohesive uh, instead of a whole uh, crazy blend of styles that it could have been. But I mean, the, the album uh, 2020, I, I like it better than the first one, uh, especially after I was revisiting it this past, this past couple of weeks. Um, a couple of standout songs for me are the Goodbye Divinity, which is the opener. It's an amazing opener, super epic feel. Fall to Ascend is a very uh, riff focused bumblefoot uh, laying out the work there it's very very cool my favorite track and it's also my favorite uh sons of apollo song is king of delusion i think that's that song is the band at their best it's very melodic it's very powerful heavy um my favorite part is that short section with mike and derek um, just the two of them, and they're explained that classics inspired piano line. It's great. Um, the album is full of moments like that, right? Uh, it's very heavy. I think the, the songs, it, it, it developed more of their own identity. The first album is more varied, I think. It, has, it covers more ground. But the second is what they do good, uh, intensified. So it's very much sons of apollo uh, yeah i, I agree sense. i mean i like this album better also i think they're better when they do more of the heavier prog stuff yeah goodbye divinity king of delusion i i think their best song is actually new world today which closes out this album i think that's yeah it has a crazy thrash uh, um, section in the middle it's so I, you know i i have that song in my probably in my top 10 songs of the year i think it's just awesome um, and you know, it is weird. I think that sometimes albums suffer from coming out in January, you know, it's just sort of, um, so much music comes out and you sort of forget that it even came out in the same year. But earlier this year, when that came out, I was listening to it a lot and I was really into this record. So yeah, me um, too. if it's something that maybe you didn't check out or you sort of forgot about, it's, it's worth revisiting. It's a really strong record. I think There's a beautiful interesting sorry, side note about the song Desolate July. 
that, that was about their friend David Z. Right. Um, so it's it's kind of Sons of Apollo, uh, with a with a little bit more humanity and and a little bit te- less technicality, more of a human feel. I'd love to see them do a, a a five song album that's twelve minute song, just going all out, and you'll see what. Because the shorter songs are great, but I think those are for most of us those ones we like less, right? Yeah. Um, but the Desert July that, that Nick was mentioning. Um, there's also an acoustic version of this song they released online. It's really, really good. I might, I, I might even like it better than the original. It's, it's really great. Really good. It's a good video. Super emotional it goes track. With it too. Yeah. Uh, okay, Vic. Vic, you've been very quiet. So why don't you uh, give us an <laughs> album choice? You know, it's, it's, it's. We were talking about Sons of Apollo and coming out so early, and and it's, it's indicative of, of this year there's just been so much that has been going coming out and there is no tour that has been able to follow up any album to give it even more weight and more momentum it's almost like everything is done you know you release the singles and you have the videos and then you know there's new releases that are coming out so it's it's been a it's been an interesting year that way great for studio stuff as far as you know touring obviously that that all is at a halt right now now the 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 three albums that I have, uh, this is the the most different one, but they're all pretty much, you know, rocking albums. And the interesting thing about this band is really prior to this album, um, it was a band that I had heard of, but I made assumptions just based on the name. And we had spoken about this before, you know, Pendragon, it sounds like it's some sort of, you know, like Viking metal, you know, uh, power metal band. Uh, but it's nothing like that at all. Obviously, people are going to hear this and they'll know exactly who Pendragon is. They've been around for over 40 years. Um, and uh, in this album, uh, Love Over Fear, um, what caught my attention in this album was actually when Prague From Home concert was done, where you had Nick Barrett, who did, um, he, he did the version of, of Water, which is one of the songs on this album, which is absolutely terrific you know you hear that song and it really it really is like you know good old home cooking when it comes to progressive rock yeah it you know harkens back to you know some great you know harmonies and melodies with some great rock instrumentation and uh, they really delivered well it's you know not many bands that you can say that after 40 years that you listen to their stuff and it's it's as strong as ever it's uh, very listenable you know, they have, um, and, and it's very eclectic as far as you have some songs that are just, you know, piano driven. You got some other songs that are very folky, like 360 Degrees. And then they have, you know, like mini epics, like uh, Who Really We Are. And it really is something that brings the rock element, but it also brings a lot of what we would call progressive elements, which it's kind of counterintuitive as far as, you know, it, it's more regressive because it recalls memories of classic prog but it's a really fun album to listen to um it's one of those when it came out i listened to it and i enjoyed it then prog from home came around and it really caught my attention again where i started to listen to it again and then up until recently when we started looking at the different albums that were on our list and everything and i started to listen to it again it's, it's been in my rotation and it's uh it's been really really enjoyable Oh 
band, great album. What, one of those bands that you, if you're a prog fan, you've heard the name because the name is distinctive. But I mean, I really never gave them a listen until I happened to stumble upon them playing live on Cruise to the Edge one year and was just blown away. And of course, I've, I've listened to everything since then. Very underrated band. Yeah, Nick Barrett is Nick Barrett is a stud. Um, he he's a great singer. He's a great guitarist. And puts together some really good music. So, yeah, definitely recommend that one. All right. Uh, so bringing up the end of the first uh, round here, Nick, what do you got? Oh, okay. So I, I just want to start off by pointing out a comment that was made earlier this year um, by the CEO of Spotify, who's Daniel Ek, um, and you know the usual controversy about what artists get paid on on Spotify for streams. And Daniel Ek made a comment that artists need to up their output, especially during the pandemic. And and I just just want to say, um, and we'll get to his fellow Swedes in a second, uh, that doesn't apply to prog, man. I I mean, in our genre, our artists, our heroes, our, our, our creators have been so prolific yeah, um, that really we, we 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 couldn't ask for more. I mean, tell that to the likes of Neil Morse and Royna Stolt and and the other guys because um, they have not wasted their time. And this time that's been available to them has turned into a kind of a silver lining if you're a prog fan. So um, in response to 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 that, onto one of his uh, fellow countrymen, also from Sweden, uh, Royna Stolt and his band, the Flower Kings, um, they released uh, just. Uh, in October last month, uh, a double CD set, triple triple vinyl set called Islands. And it is astoundingly good. Um, It's one of those albums that was intentionally made in lockdown circumstances uh, with the time available during lockdown and made remotely. Uh, I mean, if you look at the liner notes, it, it, it mentions California, Sweden, Italy, Austria, Denmark. And, um, Produced by Ron Estolt, apparently he had he had quite an interesting time um, uh, producing it with um, such matters as microphone placements and, and all that. But the the outcome is as good as anything, in my opinion, that the Flower Kings have ever done. When you first look at the the liner notes and you see a whole lot of short songs, you think to yourself, "No, this can't be a Flower Kings album. Surely it, it, that doesn't look right." But the minute you put it on, it is right and it works and it is all, all one cohesive whole. The theme is, of course, uh, solitude and, and um, uh, the, the remoteness of our lives these days during, during lockdown. That's the central theme of, of the album and every song interconnects, but it's got a myriad of styles all the way from Zappa uh, through to what the Flower, Flower Kings are so well known for, those, those, um, those beautiful melodic lush harmonies. There's also a bit of Queen thrown in there at one point, very intentionally, very purposefully. Um, because there are so many songs, uh, you know, it, it'd be a shame to mention anything, but, I'm, but I, I will say two standouts are Broken and Tangerine, Tangerine. which are just uh, astoundingly good songs. And produced remotely, um, all done in separate studios all over the world. So I think this album is emblematic of the lockdown, how progressive rock musicians have produced, and the quality of of their releases. Extremely good. Really, really highly, highly recommended. 
When the album first came out, he he texted me and said, "Tangerine, that song's amazing." Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I love that song. But but this album, it, it took me a while to decide what song really is my favorite. I still don't know. So, <laughs> like, I, I love Solaris. I love the the second disc is basically perfect. I mean, as the official uh, maker of the Flower Kings ranking album ranking list on the Pro right. Report, which was very controversial, um, I gotta ask you guys. Uh, because this is the second album with this lineup, uh, with Marco and what's the name of the keyboard player? It's Kate May. You guys know? Uh, Jack Caymans. Uh, yes. Zach Caymans. Zach, Zach, yes. And, and the right. new Sorry. drummer is Mirko De Maio. Mirko De Maio, yeah. yes. So it's the second album with the two of them. I think they're more in tune with the band. I really like the previous one, um, but I, I, I like Islands better. Uh, which one do you prefer, Nick? Uh, I got to say, I think Islands is better. Waiting for Miracles was was immense, also. And when when you think that Waiting for Miracles was released just eleven months before Islands, <laughs> yeah, it's less than that a year, is a yeah. remarkable fact. Yes, yeah, really, I, because I, they're, I, they're I like both. the sound better too. I, it it's stronger right up right off the bat. I think the first five or six songs are all oh yeah tremendous, like one after the other. And yeah, Broken Morning News, all the the big yeah, ones. Yeah, they're are all there. great. And and yeah, that was the first thing that struck me because. Sometimes when you get a, uh, you know, Renner Stoltz known for doing these double CDs, it's always a lot of music to take in and good or bad. It, it just takes a while for me to sometimes absorb them. You know, you got to give them a few spins and sort of yeah, really see what's going on. But this one for me real quick, I was like, Oh, that, that song's great. Oh, I like this one too. Oh, this one's good too. It was very, a lot more immediate for me. I felt like this time around. I was going to say I I was I was suspicious when I saw the Roger Dean cover and went oh <laughs> is this kind of going to be a sort of yes parody sort of tribute album um I'm 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 really glad it wasn't um and I remember the first time I listened to it and uh was it the first track racing with the blinders mm-hmm. and it kind of starts like a kind of a 1970s cop show sort of <laughs> type theme and was like oh, okay but yeah, brilliant album. And actually, my favorite is uh, The Closer, um, the, the title track, Islands. Um, just such, particularly uh, the signature Royna guitar uh, sound, uh, epic ending, really good. But everything that leads up to it is really This is the singular too. band that for me, it's almost like you're trying to get a drink of water and you realize that you're in front of an open fire hydrant just with all this stuff that's coming out. <laughs> because that's a really good analogy for this, yeah. We, yeah. Well, it, I've gone back because of this album and listened once again to Waiting for Miracles. And, and again, it's one of those things where it's just it's amazing the amount of material and it's and it's not just any material it is all quality it is just epic complex prog music that you can't get together in a in a garage and just jam it out this is just well thought out well put together and uh i'm I'm with jeff i like uh i like the closing track islands i you know that's it's it's just you know 
it leaves you gasping and, and you go back and, it, and it's amazing that we got all this stuff to listen to. So uh, just recapping the first uh, of our picks here, I had uh, Jet, that Joe Payne by name by nature. Uh, then we had Nick DiVirgilio Invisible, Jacko Jaxic, uh, Secrets and Lies, Sons of Apollo 2020, MMXX, uh, Pendragon, Love Over Fear, and The Flower King's Islands. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm going to uh, start the second round with my next pick. Uh, I mean, it couldn't be more opposite than that Joe Payne if I tried. This is the exact most opposite album to that, which is Novena's uh, 11th Hour. And uh, I, I just, this album blew me away. Um, for those that don't know the band, uh, it features uh, Haken's Ross Jennings on uh, vocals. There's two lead vocalists on this one. It's him, him and a guy by the name of Gareth Mason. Uh, who's was in a band called Slice the Cake, which I'm not that familiar with, um, but he does more of the growl vocals and uh, and some of the sort of talking parts and stuff. Um, and this album's really it is it, in one instance very heavy at times, and in other instances really really diverse. They bring in a lot of different elements. Um, there's a song called Corazon, which is super Latin like all the way. I mean, it's like four songs in one. There's a, a, a lady who comes in and does some kind of Spanish singing over some salsa music and stuff in there. And then two seconds before that, there's somebody growling. It's the exact same song. And you're like, your head is spinning while you're listening to it. And then um, uh, Prison Walls, which is the epic closer at the end, is just an emotional uh, uh, powerhouse. I mean, uh, Gareth Mason in the middle goes through this whole kind of purging of emotions, talking about stuff that went on in his life. And from what I was told in, in an interview with the band, that was all off the cuff, like for real. And, and it, when you listen to that, it's crazy. But then the back half of that song is like Haken Visions with orchestral stuff and Ross Jennings doing his thing. So it's just, it's just really cool. It's, it's one of my favorite albums of the year. I love this album. Um, and uh, anybody that is a Haken fan... Uh, check it out. I think for Haken fans that liked their first two records, Aquarius and Visions, m most, um, this album is more like that. And so I think if that's the Haken you're a fan of, I think uh, 11th Hour is worth uh, checking out. There's a heart that's yet Word of advice for those that are curious about to listen to this. It is drastically different from their first album. Uh, this album well, that, was... That was an EP, the, the three-song well, EP that they released first. Yeah, Correct. It's, it's an entirely different sound. And it is at a different level as far as the, the maturity of the compositions. And, uh, and just one more comment is, you know, thank you for doing the uh, Sundance song as a performance on the Prague from Home concert. So... That's another cool little. Yeah, they were also live featured on that did. as well. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, yep. This album, I remember when it, when it was about to come out and they released the first song. The anticipation before that is that no one had no real firm idea if they were going to be like, because I hadn't heard the EP. And just because of the Ross connection, I was expecting something closer to Haken than it actually is. And the first song they released is very heavy and has Ross and the other vocalists uh, with like the more death metal vocals. It was very different from what I expected, uh, but still very enjoyable. But that song that you mentioned, Roy, uh, Corazon. Yeah, I <laughs> can't pronounce Spanish. it right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I tried no. my best. Portuguese is close to, to Spanish, <laughs> but not that close. Yeah, Corazon. 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 Yeah, Corazon. Thank, thank you, Vic. Yeah, no, that song is just brilliant. It's, it's so cool. It's, uh, really, it's one of the coolest songs of the year, for sure. Yeah, it's very unexpected in all fronts. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Uh, love that album. Um, Kyle, what's your second pick? All right. So uh, the theme for me today is uh, really good drummers. So I'm going to go in with a album by Pattern Seeking Animals. This is Prehensile Tales, which I didn't catch the pun in the title until today when I wrote it out. It's Prehensile Tales, T-A-L-E-S. Anyway, um, so they had their debut just last year. So we're, we're talking about bands that are prolific and putting out a lot of music. This fits. Um, if you don't know Pattern Seeking Animals, it's comprised of members basically from Spock's Beard. So singer Ted Leonard, who goes way back with lots of different groups, bassist Dave Maros, and drummer Jimmy Keegan, and then uh, who played with them live for a period of time and then joined the band outright and then has since left the band. And then they're, they're joined by um, a longtime Spock's Beard songwriter, musical collaborator, uh, John Beghold. Uh, John, as we'll call him from now on. Um, so anyway, in my opinion, uh, the, the debut album was, was good, but I think this album is great. Um, I think it's stronger just all together. And, and the purpose of the band was that it was deemed as too poppy, perhaps, uh, or maybe more too direct, let's say, for Spock's. And so they kind of splintered off to form this band. And so I actually think this album succeeds in the fact that it does include that kind of more direct, kind of pop-focused, kind of hooky chorus-focused music with the prog side of things. And it does both extremely well. Um, from a production standpoint, it's a huge sounding album, fantastic production. Surprise, surprise, it's mixed by Rich Mauser. Um, it's got trumpet, sax, flute, strings, sound effects, which I, I love in albums when they, when they make sense. Uh, Prog Nick did an excellent review, as he always does. Uh, he mentioned uh, Dave Maros's bass, which who can't mention Dave Maros's bass? It's incredible. But on Elegant Vampires in particular, it's really sublime. Um, I can't wait to hear more from this band. This is the kind of band that I would love to actually experience live. And it's a shame they didn't get to go and tour this around or play this, uh, you know, places. So in terms of highlight tracks, it's just a six track album. And I, I honestly think that each one is good in its own right. Uh, Raining Hard in Heaven is good. Here in my autumn, my favorite track is Why Don't We Run? I love the sort of cinematic feel to it. And then there's a 17 minute song, Lifeboat, that's kind of combines it all and is really over the top and great. Let's race the flame across the big sky
mention my favorite track, which is Soon But Not Today. Well, there which, you go. Um, another, I don't know, 15-minute song or 12 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, six perfect songs on this album. It's, it's, yeah. it's just enjoyable all the way through. Why Don't Rewind is so cool and so Why different. The video is awesome. It's like this African-inspired thing. And they, uh, it's very funny, very, it's very homemade. Cool, yeah. But it, yeah, it's sort of this spaghetti western kind of style, you know, with yeah. the yeah. With the trumpet sounds and everything. It's, yeah, it's a really neat song. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, no, these guys rock, man. It's uh, and I think it's leaps and bounds be above the debut album, which was which was a Agreed. fine record. But this one is is really them honing in on their sound and 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 doing it something really feels, special. Feels like much step towards a more of a band album definitely yeah right? yeah, yeah and as carl said i i had the honor of doing the the prog report review for it going in i got to tell you i was quite apprehensive because i really you know i, I i'm one of those almost immaturely fanatical spock's beard fans right <laughs> and um for me the first pattern seeking animal album was it was such a departure from what I expected from that personnel, that lineup of personnel, that that um, I, I just felt unfulfilled by. It. So I was really worried going into into writing the review for the second album. But man, was I! By the time I was done listening and writing about it, uh, f- fantastic album! What, what a what an incredible redirection of the band! And I think yeah. uh, they certainly are finding their way now. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Uh, Jeff, your second pick. Okay, like last time, I, I have it here, and I have the the super deluxe version of Fishes of Welshmerts. I think that's the another, uh, that's another word I'm not going to try to pronounce. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so the the story behind this album, if you don't know, is that Fish had a a game plan. He had decided he would retire um, from 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 producing music and that he would make a final album and probably those plans started around 2015 they got sidelined by illness by family stuff and eventually by lockdown in 2018 before a tour which was the one that was meant to be the final tour and um, he put out three of the songs on, on an ep um but how much more relevant Weltschmerz, which means world weariness or sadness at the state of the world. Actually, it feels like it was an album waiting for its time. Um, it's not a moan or a rant, um, but it's a reflection on a lot of things, um, ranging from illness, um, his own illness, the illness and death of his his parents, um, it's about relationships. It, it touches upon the situation in the Middle East in a very um, sensitive way. And, and it even has a song called The Party's Over, which is probably the most up-tempo song on the album. It's almost a celebration of uh, kind of drawing a line under this part of his career. Um, Fish always described himself as a writer who can sing. And certainly lyrically, it's a really deep album. And accompanied by this amazing deluxe edition which comes with a, a massive book which as well as lots of brilliant artwork there's probably about eight thousand words where he where he tells the story um of the album um and and i think the other thing about it is that it's it's a really um musically a really really strong album and and he says in some of the interviews that 
you know, he decided not to shy away from any part of his influences or his style. You know, if a song needed to completely change midway through, that's okay. Um, that's what it's need. That's what it what it needed. And um, you know, there's so many songs I could talk about it about on the album. But Waverly Steps and the end of the line, it's it's probably about about as prog a song as anything that that we'll talk about on this show today. Um, to me, it's 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 the album of someone going out with just as much passion and kind of fire in his belly as he did when he came onto the scene in in kind of 1982 and with Marillion. It's a very very strong album, and it is available on, on Spotify, etc. But interestingly, if you want to get a physical copy, the only way you can get that is from from his house, actually, <laughs> yeah, because he runs that whole side of the business himself. Um, like so, you, you got to yeah. go to his house, or you can like he'll mail. <laughs> That's that doesn't yeah, seem the, like a good idea. How do you social yeah, distance and get your stuff? An expensive flight to Scotland, but they might post them out. <laughs> He's lost between the here and now, somewhere that he can't be found. She's still here. I love a ghost of memory. She'll wait for an eternity. He's still here. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody wants to see uh, an artist of his stature in the prog world saying, I am retiring. But if this is the big man's final album what a way to go out hmm. this one song uh how yeah. much of this is is pulled from the ep because i recognize man from man with a stick that there was Three an ep of a man. couple of years ago with a few songs right yeah man with a stick and um can't remember which, that's now, a which... great song man with a stick is re- is really good you know what on the thing that struck me on this album is his voice still sounds uh incredibly strong uh, he, he sounds fantastic. The production is great. But man, if he doesn't write more lyrics per song than any singer ever, it's just, there's very few repeating lines. It's just, it's like a book of lyrics per song. He just doesn't stop singing. <laughs> it's yeah. really amazing. Um, I think it's one you have to have it, have the lighter notes nearby and read along and really absorb it that way because that's an, that's a whole nother level to the music on this one that with, uh, with a lot of bands, you learn a verse, you learn, you know, the choruses get repeated and it's sort of that kind of thing, but not on this one. It's, it's, it's real deep. Uh, and I think, and I haven't had a chance to do that with this record, but, um, but I did enjoy it. What I, what I checked out. And some great, great videos online and um, particularly um, garden of remembrance, um, which is a song about his, his mother and her, um, her dementia and stuff that she had but a brilliant brilliant video really good yeah all right cool good that we uh included that one in here all right uh dan your next pick let's go with band of salvation banther so band of salvation is one of my favorite bands <laughs> yeah that one kyle um <laughs> i'm a huge fan of their earlier <laughs> albums but i also really love their previous album in the past in the passing light of day um banther is a concept album about people with uh, mental disabilities and how they see the world differently. Um, as Daniel puts it in the album, it's being a panther in a dog's world. Um, the lyrics are beautifully written and 
it kind of becomes a good empathy exercise, trying to see the world through someone else's eyes that normally you wouldn't. Um, and uh, Daniel always goes full in on his concepts, regardless of what they are. He's always confident on them, and and he makes it shine through his words and performance that he really believes in that. Um, so I believe that this topic in particular for the concept of the album is very near and dear to his heart. Um, I believe he has a son that's autistic, another one that has Down syndrome, or maybe I'm mixing up, mixing up the facts, but the important part is that it's very close to him. So he wrote it as a very different way to see the world and you can read it through the lyrics. But musically though, uh, Panther is closer to In the Passing Light of Day, the previous record, uh, but it's very different from any of their older records. Perhaps a little bit of Scar Sick in there. It has a darker tone, uh, more industrial vibe. Uh, Production-wise, it's very different too. It has like that, that uh, industrial vibe that I was mentioning. But for songs, uh, the, the single Accelerator, one of my favorite songs of the year, it has such a cool and unique vibe and rhythm to it. The video for it's great. It's a personal favorite for us in the Prog Report. We like doing our personal covers of the treadmill dance <laughs> walk thing. Yeah, it's just yeah, fun gonna, to we're all just gonna stand up and start running any second. Exactly. <laughs> e easily the the best prog music video of the year, perhaps the decade. But go ahead. Yeah, it's like it's a love it or hate it kind of video. I think an album. Uh, I, I would assume because there are a couple of tracks that are very embedded in the concept and they're not as cool if you're not familiarized with what they're about. Like the title track. Uh, musically, I don't necessarily love it, but if you watch the, the video they put out with the animations and the lyrics and you get what it's all about, you get a, a new perspective on the song. And that's a cool part of concept albums because even the rhythm that he goes and talking fast and speaking loudly, it makes sense. And his, uh, Daniel's performance is always great. My favorite song, though, is uh, King to a Fault. I think it's one of the best, the best songs they put out in the last decade. It's really, really strong. Uh, reminds me of classic Pain of Salvation. It's very proggy, has a hooky chorus. Um, there are other brilliant songs in the album as well. Wait, I know that's Roy's favorite. Uh, Icon, uh, the last one, uh, longer. It's also really cool, really creative, uh, the way they do the transitions. Overall, I really like the album. It's very, very different. Um, it, it always is with Pain of Salvation. It's never the same thing. It's always a really weird adventure. Like Great. All right, uh, Vic, your second pick. One of my favorite albums of the year. It's from a band that I've been a fan for such a long time. They've been around forever, and I've been a fan since pretty much the beginning. And it's their first album since uh, 2016. And the, the band is Fate's Warning, Long Day, Good Night. Um, yep. Has the album, uh, when this is done, yeah, the album was just it, released it, it, it last just Friday. It just came out. Yeah. 
and it's um it's the thirteenth studio album for this band, and it has thirteen tracks in it, and they max out the CD at seventy two minutes, and it is one of their most eclectic sounding, you know, they have heavy stuff, they have, you know, acoustic stuff. Uh, and they even have, they go into like fusion and just a great mix of, of different styles. Um, as with, this was something that was started to be put together last year, late last year. And they went through the whole process of recording this in different uh, studios remotely. Even Ray Alder had to do the recordings in a studio in Madrid when things were in lockdown. And he actually slept in the vocal booth in the studio for two weeks. Talk about intense. And his vocals are as good as ever. Um, I recommend everybody listens to the uh, podcast interview that Roy did with uh, Ray Alder. Because you learn that this guy, considering how long he's been singing for, as one of the most recognizable voices in, in Prague, progressive metal, definitely. Um, he, it's a craft, it's a discipline for him to keep his voice in shape so that he can, he can do it. He did a great job in his solo album last year and in this album, he just does not miss a beat. And this is 13 tracks that are just great. You know, they have, they have a terrific sound. Uh, the, the mix is great, the production is great. And uh, some of the highlights for me are Destination Onward, which is the first song. Again, really heavy, just establishes that, you know, good home cooking groove that you're used to hearing from them. So one of the cool songs is When the Snow Falls. It's got a really like electronic vibe and it's actually Gavin Harrison on drums. And another song, they have strings fun, for the first fact, time that Gavin they've ever Harris had. Is in, it, Gavin Harrison is on all 18 albums on our list. <laughs> <laughs> One of the artists. Yeah, where, where is where is Portnoy? <laughs> now the 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 biggest thing, and for us fans, uh, I'm usually not a guy that's into lyrics. I'm usually not a guy that really you know hangs on to what the artists are saying. But in the 13th song of their 13th album, it's called the last song. And when you listen to the lyrics, um, they're pretty straightforward about being the last song. You know, it talks about being in the winter of their of their of their careers it talks about you know or in the winter of their lives and um the literal last uh, words of the song are this is the last song which makes us scratch our heads and then alder in interviews that he's been doing when he's asked does that mean it's fate's warning last song he refers to i think that's a question for um for for jim so yeah, they haven't uh, said officially. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because they've been doing it for so long. But I think that with all these bands, um, they you never know. It could be five years from now and they get bored yeah. and decide to do another album. There's, there's no end to these bands ever. I mean, the Flower Kings stopped, officially stopped making albums about 10 years ago and then have now since returned and, and made two more. So, uh, yeah, I mean... I, my guess is it probably is the last album, but I, it wouldn't surprise me either if they did another one in a few years. They've really hit a good groove in the last three albums that they've done. Now, mind you, it's been spaced out quite a bit, but you know, I'll add this one to their discography and, and put it right up there with their classics. I think it is that good. And uh, shout out to uh, Cal Graves, who I know he's going to be digging this portion of the podcast because he is as big a fan, if not bigger than I am, of that band. And trying to hide all the scars that come. 
from them uh what's the the long song uh longest shadow of the day longest shadow um, of the day that's the one that starts is, with that little jazz fusiony stuff and then really the, killer musically uh oh, really it's, it's you almost think it's an instrumental because it's like nine minutes and then five minutes into the song that's yeah. when alder's vocals kick in and then it gets really hip so it's cool yeah, solid track um all right nick what's your second pick okay so this one holds a special place for me I don't know why I just keep coming back to this album and I've just been playing it all year. I just love it. It's uh, feelings are good by lonely robot, which is um, the pseudonym for John Mitchell's solo project. Now, John Mitchell is a bit of an unsung hero in the world of prog. If you ask me probably best known as the guitarist of frost and arena, um, but also a key member of it bites. Um, but his solo stuff is just mind boggling. Uh, Lonely Robot, this is the fourth album. The first three had a science fiction kind of a theme to them. They were uh, called, called the astronaut theme, but um, this one is totally different. Uh, Vic was talking a little bit earlier about, you know, he's not really a, a, a lyrics guy. Me neither. I, I'm not really a lyrics guy. I listen to the music and, and you know, I, I've always been one who generally sort of doesn't really care what, what the vocalist is singing about. But um, that was until a songwriter like John Mitchell came along because he's known for writing the lyrics first, making the lyrics meaningful to himself, and then writing the musical composition around that. And that's very much how this album was written, but it is extremely personal. It, it is an extraordinary reflection of his own personal history, his own experiences, and, and, and it's in, it, incomprehensibly honest. Um, and, uh, you know, one, one listens to various stages and turmoils and, and, and um, experiences in, in John Mitchell's personal life, almost like a psychotherapy session when listening to this album, song by song by song, he reveals himself. Um, that's not to say that the music doesn't keep up. He's a stellar progressive rock musician, one of the best in the world. And as I say, in my opinion, very unheralded and un unsung. Um, there, is, there are so many songs on this album that, that just touched me when I, when I lis listened to them for the first time and when I listened to them today for the umpteenth time. Um, uh, all the instruments and all the vocals are done by Mitchell, except for drums, which are done by, by his erstwhile Frost cohort and, and bandmate and good friend Craig, Craig Blundell, one of the best drummers in the world. Um, the, the combination, the chemistry is just brilliant. Songs, if I, had to, if I had to pick one, well, actually, I think this album contains my very favorite song of 2020, which is called Armor for My Heart. That's Not the most song. progressive song. Not the most progressive song in the world. It's got a kind of a pop vibe to it. It's all built around a simple, simple enough Blundell kind of kick drum pattern, but it just grabs you. It's got such an amazing hook. And the lead solo is just John, John Mitchell at his best. Jeff, that's, um, the, that's yeah. the track I sent you the other day. 
um, yeah, which was yeah. also my favorite from from the record. I, uh, and there are so many. I mean, the the single was "Life Is a Sine Wave," also great, very good, very good prog. Um, there's a there's a, a there are a couple of angry moments, uh, spiders in particular. Um, there's a sort of a straight ahead pop vibe with with one of the the opening number, which is into the lo-fi. Um, then there's this incredible melancholy and crystalline. The whole album, just from start to finish, is is unmissable. Uh, I, I strongly recommend it. And um, uh, I, I would say to anybody who's not familiar with John Mitchell's work, go get this. You will not be disappointed. It's one of the highlights of 2020. Phenomenal guitar player, musician, but he has a, a great voice, a very high range, um, and uh, I, I love the way he sings. I like all the Lonely Robot records, but if I had to pick one, this one is my favorite of the four. Uh, I think it's the most uh, uh, of a departure from the previous three. So you know, and I know that he has sort of his unique John Mitchell sound, and a lot of that is found on the previous three albums. Uh, some of that's here. A song like Spiders is very much something you would have found on any of the three records. Um, but stuff like Into the Lo-Fi, Armor for My Heart, Crystalline, like you're saying, I think all really stand out and are a slightly different take on what he's done previously. Um, I love this album. I really think it's great. Uh, and, and one that also I would recommend if you're not familiar or you didn't know what Lonely Robot was or you didn't like the first Lonely Robot records, I would say check this one out. Um, I know I get a lot of Tears for Fears vibe from this album for some reason. Um, this is obviously a little heavier, there's more distortion guitar and stuff like that on it, but it it falls in line for that for me, I think. He, well, he, he sure knows how to write a hook, yeah, yeah. That, that track that I mentioned on the Fish album, Garden of Remembrance, he actually wrote the music for it as well. Hmm. There you uh, go. So he's... he's and he's also uh, a, a tremendous performance on uh, our Proc From Home show. Oh, he had a really cool video, yes. That he did as well. So, so anybody who hasn't heard the album, the emotion that was revealed in that video, expect that on this album. Yeah. Uh, okay, that so that does wrap up our uh, round two of albums. And uh, recapping, so I did uh, Novena, 11th Hour. Uh, we had Pattern Seeking Animals, Prehensile Tales, uh, Fish. I'm not saying the name. Uh, Pain of Salvation mm -hmm. Panther. Um, Americans. <laughs> Fate's Warning, Long Day, Good Night, and Lonely Robot Feelings Are Good. So another great uh, selection of records. All right, so I'm going to wrap up uh, my top three, uh, my three albums, uh, kicking off the third round here. Um, Another great band, just just one of the standout bands in the in the scene, uh, have really stepped up their game in the last few years, uh, and and just a, a 
a really great group. And I love this album, uh, Pineapple Thief Versions of the Truth. Uh, again, all kidding aside, Gavin Harrison plays drums. And uh, it's his third uh, with the band since he joined uh, a couple albums back. 2018, they put out Disillusion, which was one of my favorite albums that year. And, uh, and I think their best album. Um, this one is slightly maybe below that one for me, just because I think that album is that good. But this one is, is just continuing from where they left off with that one. Um, they, have a, they fill the void of, you know, Porcupine Tree not existing anymore for me. And, and Gavin obviously has a lot to do with that. But Bruce Sword has a similar songwriting style to Stephen Wilson even. And, and the whole vibes of the records, they're very kind of melancholy and um, sort of uh, the songs are very haunting. They, they sort of all, they always bring that kind of element to it. They don't try to be happy almost ever. Uh, instrumentation is great. The grooves are great. Um, this one has a few songs that are really poppy. And I think it's a band that I, I more than most of the ones we talk about, I feel could be on alternative rock radio and exist and people would accept it. And uh, a song like Demons is, is amazing. That was the first single from this record. Uh, Leave Me Be is another one that I really like a lot. Um, that, that might be the most up-tempo track. Um, if, you know, I, look, if you're a fan of, uh, of uh, Pineapple Thief, then you're going to like this album. It's exactly what they do. Um, but again, it's, it falls into that, is it prog, is it not prog kind of, kind of area, I think. Um, but just a really cool band. They're very unique in what they do. And uh, just another great album by them. was one that at the time it came out it didn't really click with me and um just been listening to it prepping for this and going i don't know i must have been into something else at the time but just really really went gosh how did i miss that um really really i i, I enjoyed it i do i agree with you it's the kind of elements of the sound of porcupine tree kind of pre sort of signify and and before that kind of earlier era um but definitely yeah, a really, really strong album, and you know, made made me actually go back and listen to some of their other albums too. Good choice, Nick. Are you a, a Pineapple Thief fan? I would. I would. What I do am. you think of the record? I am. I'm a huge fan of Pineapple Thief. Um, any any drummer in the world is aware of Gavin Harrison, of course, um, and so your attention will have been drawn to Porcupine uh, to 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 uh, Pineapple Thief, and Bruce Sword is just a genius. He's a musical genius. Um, the, the music gels beautifully. It's not all about Harrison or Sword. It, it's a it's it's a real band, um, and yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. Um, he can't just get has enough the, of the, the most unique style of drumming in, in of all the bands that we listen to. I mean, just yeah. sometimes it's 
you think it's the most simple thing going on, but then you you watch him play a certain part and it's you like zoom in. Yeah. It's like he's playing all the drums at once. So it, he's so amazing. Um in how he he's plays. Just, he's just, just incredible. Phenomenal. He he can play a four on the floor, four four beat, um, in the most complex way, back yeah. to front, with the one where the three should be and the two where the where the four should be. And uh, it, it just changes it just the songwriting. Right. It just it, changes the songwriting completely. And he, and uh, that's the difference between when he first, the first time he did with them, he didn't write Disillusion. He was involved in their songwriting. And again, on this one, and I think it, it's taken the band, for me, it's taken them a step up. Um, he, so. He's often said that, that, that his, his drumming contributions are as much about changing the composition as much as they are about the performance. Yeah. All right. Uh, great. So those are my picks. Uh, Kyle. You're next. All right. This has been fun. I just have to say it's it's a real pleasure to get to do this with you guys. 2020 has been odd. And I'm regretful of all these artists putting out maybe their final works and not getting to tour them and get to experience them as a fan. So yeah. I'm, ho I'm hopeful that things come back to normal and that maybe they don't tour the album. But they just kind of come out and say, hey, we're just doing a final tour or something. So um, anyway, uh, in a year also, they didn't necessarily feature albums from some of the like kind of tent post artists. Uh, we do have what I would call, uh, you know, the biggest prog moment of 2020, perhaps. Uh, this is John Petrucci with his first uh, solo effort in 15 years. Um, I would say he's the greatest guitarist of his generation, and that's both in reference to just music in general, but certainly prog um, and someone that I grew up on. And one of my first entry points to, to prog, obviously, was Dream Theater. Um, he's also joined by Mike Portnoy for the first time in 10 years. And then uh, just to put it over the top, you have Dave LaRue on bass. And so uh, it creates for this really incredible trio, uh, like pretty much everything else on this list that came out kind of in the back half of the year, it was started during the onset of the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, so back in March, uh, everything was canceled. So we had a lot of extra time. And I think it shows because this album's really to me spectacular and I'm not an instrumental guitar kind of guy again I'm, I'm, a, I'm a drummer that's what I like and then I, I like usually music that's more focused on harmonies and and kind of that balance of things and this is not that but as instrumental guitar albums go this is as good as it gets to me and yeah. so you do you do kind of hit on that like dream theater thing that people were sort of hoping for with songs like Gemini and uh, Temple of Circadia I think it is the the, the end song uh, but then you also have this sort of like kind of throwback like uh, what I'd call like sort of wistful uh, 90s, uh, like happy song, the way things fall, it kind of feels like Joe Satriani or Eric Johnson. And I think just by and large, it feels like a happy record, which was something that for me was, uh, I was really wanting to hear during the middle of 2020, just, you know, as this continued to go on and go on. Um, other highlight tracks, I guess I would say would be the, the title track, Terminal Velocity is great. The Odd Father, which kind of has this sort of Italian feel, it, he takes sort of the sound of what you would expect, like a fast mandolin part to be and then makes that uh, work on the guitar. Uh, and really everything on this album is good. Roy is somewhat familiar with this album, I think. Uh, you know, he may have had one or two things to do with it. So what is your thoughts on it? Well, uh, I, I did get a, a little bit of a chance to be involved in the promotion of the record. And um, uh, look, I mean, to see Portnoy and Producci play together, I think was the highlight for everybody and wondering what that would be like. And certainly they, they proved that they fell right back into step with, with how they worked 10 years prior. And uh, you, when you hear them, I mean, it wasn't recorded live, 
they recorded in separate studios and 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 all of that as as is the case with most 2020 records but um it sounds like it's live it sounds like they're in the same room and it has a very upbeat feel and vibe to it and uh and the songs are great i just think it's a phenomenal record and uh and john sounds incredible i mean there's there's no one like him. thing about John Petrucci that just captures me and I think that separates him from a lot of the guitarists that we just admire so much is I think he's a great combination of an incredible rhythm guitarist as well as a soloist. When you listen to these songs, the rhythm aspect of it is not just, you know, holding a certain chord for, you know, four bars and going to a different chord and then he's just shredding over it. No, the, the rhythm underneath is intricate and it's entertaining. And, you know, being a metal guy myself, uh, the perfect marriage of Petrucci and Portnoy with Andy Sneap on the mixing and on the mastering. I know that uh, Nick will uh, can can expand on that, but uh, Andy Sneap is just a a an amazing uh, producer when it comes to getting you know some great sounds. I mean, his his list of metal bands is just a who's who. And that was really cool to to enjoy from that aspect as well. And to think um, he did it all remotely from London. Yeah. Exactly, he did. Yeah, the the whole thing was like that. They just sent just sending files. That's what everyone does. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's great to have that that come out for sure. And I think everybody probably checked that out. And it's 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 been a phenomenal record. To, to One cool aspect of the album I'm, I'm, that I think we should mention is that uh, several songs were written at different points in time. So it, it really adds to the variety in the album. Like Gemini was written in the 90s, I think. Um, I watched John Petrucci's solo live like eight years ago, and he's played a couple of songs that are in the album now. Um, Glassy Eyed Zombies being one of them. But the highlight for me is, uh, I think it's a new one, Odd Father. That one takes Odd the cake. great, yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Jeff, your last pick. Okay. Um, common thread through my three albums that I did realize I didn't mention the last one. The Fish album has a really great five-point run surround mix. The Jacko album has a really great five-point one surround mix. And the Kansas album, well, I can see that properly there. Gotcha. Um, the, Kans the Kansas album, The Absence of Presence, um, another album with a fantastic sound mix. Look, uh, 5.1 mix and sound mix as well. Um, you don't need um, a history of kansas i assume if you're if you're listening to this podcast but i suppose it's the second in in a significant era um when ronnie platt joined and uh zach risby um joined initially as producer but became significant guitar player writer in the band um and this time um joined as well on keyboards but also in writing um by tom brislin um the prelude implicit was a good album given that um, Kansas had probably hadn't made an album for 15, 16 years and were, were pretty much a touring band. 
but I think the absence of presence is a huge step up from that, a, a really, really big one. Uh, and it does a number of things. I think, uh, to me, it, it, it sounds like a truly reinvigorated band. Um, it, in a really nice way, it takes kind of the best of all of the eras of Kansas, you know, the 70s stuff, the 80s stuff, even the 1990s stuff. There's little kind of um, sort of hints and references there. Tom Brislin, um, you know, really makes um, his his presence felt on this album, and it, it's about forty seven minutes long. And in in this day and age of filling the CD to the max of eighty minutes or whatever it is, or stretching it out to a double, to me this this really fits with a kind of a, a classic era, uh, you know, double sided uh, album. Um, you know, it, it's got Throwing Mountains was probably the track that got the most airplay and publicity and had a video featuring our, our very own Roy Avon hanging out with the band um, and tr- trying to stick his head... Ra- For two seconds. <laughs> sticking his head round when the cameras were were about. Um, um, but yeah, a, a, a brilliant kickoff track. Um, a, a fantastic ballad, uh, Memories Down the Line. Um Circus of Illusion, a really great rock song with kind of delayed guitars and stuff like that, uh, and a real epic closer in the song The River Sang. And I suppose my, you know, my overall comment on this, I was thinking about it when, when I was kind of prepping for today, is, you know, could, yes, Tull, even Floyd, you know, produce an album as strong as this today? I don't think they could i would love to hear yes produce an album as strong as this but and and maybe what they need is a is the sort of injection of new blood that that kansas have been brave enough and um, to take on board but i think it's it's one of the best examples you know of a band um you know taking themselves forward you know while while being true to their legacy um a, a really really great album I agree. I think it's in my top three albums of the year. Probably, it's just it's just a perfect album. You're right. The length is great because it doesn't overstay its welcome. But every song is is good. The sequencing is 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 perfect. Um, the first three songs, if you only listen to anything, you know, a few parts of this album, the first three songs in a row, it's just brilliant. the The opening title track is is a great epic. The production is massive. Throwing mountains is is uh, arguably one of the songs of the year. And then Jets Overhead is just a great single. Um, I think it's just a unique combination of things. You're right. I don't know if a lot of the classic bands could produce something this strong. Um, who knows? But look, the, the guys that have been in the band for, you know, since the beginning, uh, Philly Hart and, and Rich Williams, they're still tremendous at, in how they're playing. I mean, Phil's drumming on this album is, is crazy good. Yeah. It's crazy good. And, uh, and he's uh, in his 70s. I mean, he's phenomenal. Du- those double bass parts in there and things. It's just crazy. 
Um, plus, combining that with um, Ronnie Plaid, who's a, a tremendous vocalist, and uh, and Zach and Tom uh, carrying the bulk of the songwriting for the album, really stay true to what Kansas is, and uh, and write in that same vibe, but bring a, a freshness to it. Um, you know, I I was one of those fans that also hate, felt like. There's no, uh, you know, too many of the original members are gone. A band shouldn't exist, you know, for that was sort of, I think many, what many people sort of hang their hats on generally. But I think I'm overthinking like that because that would have meant this album doesn't exist. And I think, I think it's worth it. I think they did it right. They, it's not yep. a stain on the legacy. If you look back at Kansas, it's a band that always had band members change in and out and, and kept trying to reinvent themselves. And I think, uh, why not? You know, and it's one of their best albums. It's it's probably their best album since the late seventies, I think. So um, that's my view on it. I think it's a listenable album from beginning to end, and it is a, a it's it's a perfect balance between the familiar Kansas sound, but still being fresh. And credit to the guys to to fill in um, and Williams for embracing the new blood and just moving forward and and to keep it going and and they're a band that thrive on live performances uh every time i saw them on cruise to the edge um they were just incredible and the fact that they're also doing anything in their catalog is also a credit to the fact that they really have no bounds and they're moving forward so happy because you know i've been a big fan for a long time yeah i mean live they're pulling out you know uh, all of the Point of No Return album, and they're throwing in song, song for America, and and all these epics. I mean, they, there's nothing they can't do from their catalog now with these guys now in the band and and live. They're a powerhouse, and uh, it's great. It's really great. All right, uh, let's see who's next. Uh, Dan, your last pick. Okay. I wonder what it could Every, be. Yeah, everyone's wondering. It's my big moment now, because <laughs> if you know me at all or even remotely. Um, you know, I've been talking about this album the entire year and how amazing I think it is. <laughs> yes. Um, how impactful it's been in my life. Uh, and in general, just what a genius album and a modern classic of progressive metal. It is Rise Radiant by Caligula's Horse. I've been a fan of Seahorse for the past couple of years. I love Bloom. I love In Contact. I think they're incredible albums. Um, but if... In comparison to Rise Radiant, they feel like the road to get where they are now. Um, Rise Radiant isn't a concept album, but it has a theme of ascending and rising above the occasion and being strong. It has themes of uh, how to deal with your own struggles, uh, themes of legacy, of moving forward, and that's a central theme of the album. It's a perfect record for this year. Uh, in theming it, it made the year way more bearable for me than it would be otherwise i think uh it helped me a lot in various moments and it's also the reason i haven't checked all the albums on this list because it never leaves my my player it's it's running constantly all the time sometimes i don't even want to listen to it i like i need to listen to some new stuff and then it comes back um all the tracks are great i i think uh a lot can be said about this album that Nick mentioned when he was talking about Lonely Rob Robot. 
it's a very personal album to the guys who wrote it. They have some deep dives into the album on YouTube. The interviews are great. The production now, uh, the production diaries are awesome. Um, it's really, really interesting to see the process and, and how they can have, like, they can get all the huge sounds in it. But I've only been talking about background stuff. So let's talk about the music. I think the music, even though all this, this stuff is great, the music's the biggest part. Uh, it starts off with uh, The Tempest, one of my favorite tracks this year, probably my most listened to track this year. Uh, strong, uh, like high energy, super heavy. The vocals are incredible. This is one of my favorites. And the, the other, Salt, Salt is a highlight. I know that's Roy's favorite. And the last two, The Autumn Plus, The Ascent, it's just insane. And it, I'm not the hugest, the, the biggest guy with like lyrics, just like Nick said, but this album, it just grabs you, man. It, it's, it's really special. I think, as I said, it's a modern classic. It might be a contender for my top 10 all time if it stands the test of time, wow. which I think it will. Yeah, that's a big statement, I know. But, but that's how much I love this album. I think it's really really impactful and if you invest the time that it needs um it, it's gonna be that big I think it's an album that grabs you from the beginning. You know, I've been a Caligula's Horse fan for, for a while, but this one just is at a different level musically. And The Tempest, it just grabs you. And I'm generally not one to, to compare because I don't want to make it sound like they're not original. But Caligula's Horse to me has taken like awesome aspects of Haken and awesome aspects of... Um, of I was going to say Leprous, um, you know, but Opeth as well. And yeah, it's, think, but, but they really have made it into their own. And in this album, it's just at a different level. Um, as much as, as much as I like all the other stuff that's out there, especially progressive metal, this one, this one has been just, just at the top there. Yeah. And, and Roy and I had a podcast with Jim, yeah. their vocalist in the, in the beginning of the year. And I was, uh, we were talking about, what went into the album, all the themes and how personal and special it is to them. Um, there's a lot of love involved in the making of this album. And it's very, uh, it's easy to, to, to listen to that through the music. I'm very glad that I ended up not writing the review for it. Uh, I was supposed to, but we had the Prog From Home concert, so I got kind of busy. But I, I feel like had I written the review back then, I wouldn't put it as higher as it should be. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying my 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 piece here. I I think this album shouldn't be slapped on. If you have your list and it's you're writing down all the album names, put this one in caps, uh, um, uppercase letters. Don't don't miss it. It's really yeah. really good. Yeah. Well, don't don't sleep on it because it it'll grab you. Oh. You know? um, it'll grab you. No, I just real quick to to second uh, some of what you said there. I think it's yeah, it's a great great album. It's, it is them taking the next step 
I think the biggest disappointment is that they were going to do a headlining tour of US uh, with this album. And I think that would have really taken them up another level here. And, uh, and sort of a real shame that they had to cancel one of a million tours that obviously had to be canceled and, and, uh, and sort of a real bummer there. Um, but they're a great band. Jim is a great singer. And uh, good to see them continuing uh, to grow with what they're doing. So uh, yeah. that's definitely one for people to check out. Uh, all right, Vic, you're not, you're a final pick. Uh, my final pick is I'm, I'm, I'm biased towards this album, kind of like how Daniel is biased towards Rise Radiant. Um, it's Haken Virus. Uh, again, one of those where when all this was working up, happened to see them live the week, the weekend before the world shut down, got to see them up in we Orlando. Went together. To get, yeah. We, we opening for Devin know, and, and yeah, what then a, we came back the week later and the world shut down. It was crazy. Exactly. And, and the coincidence of the name of the album virus, along with what the pandemic was, was that was coming down based obviously on the coronavirus. But the interesting thing is, um, one of our good friends, Cesar, points out that uh, in the liner notes of Vector, if you read the last line, it says, um, spread the virus, I believe. I would have to look it up. But there is already, shows you that that was already in the works. So virus is a continuation of the concept that was started in their 2018 album, Vector. This one is just some of the most ambitious work that they've done. It is heavy but it is also melodic they really present a group of songs that are just complete from top to bottom and it tells a story and it's a great concept and a continuation um they are you know they are it's a concept that they're telling a story but they leave it open for interpretation as far as you know how intense you want to you want to take that but um you know the the highlight of the album is the the epic prog uh, metal, the Messiah complex. Um, that's just, uh, I think it's 17 plus minutes of just great, great stuff, stuff that when you listen to it, it's taken, but it's fresh, it's heavy. Um, you know, it's whenever I listen to that, I'm grateful that they got to tour with Mike Portnoy for the Shattered Fortress tour. Cause you could just tell that there is a lot of that kind of aggressiveness and technicality, uh, when delivering that song. Um, but Jennings' vocals are as good as ever. Uh, the guys are just writing incredible stuff. And the timing of when this came out is tricky because they were right in the middle of getting that tour started. Then everything shut down, and they actually spent a bunch of money just trying to get back home because everything got shut down, and they were pretty much stuck with their equipment here trying to figure out how to get it back home. Um, I really hope that once things open back up, um, that these guys get their due credit for cranking out, in my opinion, the top album, especially in the prog metal genre. This is the top album of, of 2020.
no, no, I agree. <laughs> it, it's in my top two. It's my second favorite. I it, think this, this album is superb. Uh, when Vector came out, we were all thinking like, hey, can can get any more heavy than this? And then they did. They're like, hold my beer. <laughs> um, and this album just delivers. I love uh, the Messiah Complex. I love all the ties to the Cockroach King, well, which is Jeff's favorite song. Um, but my two personal favorites are Invasion. Uh, it's That one is very emblematic to the pandemic. The, lyrically, musically, it, it, it just speaks 2020 in all fronts. And Carousel, which is the other long song in the album. Um, very melodic, goes through a bunch of different phases, uh, has a great bass part. In general, it's just Haken doing what they do, and they always do it well, and it's always fun. If you're a fan of Prague, you don't know Haken, what is wrong with you? Um, yeah. Come hang with us, the, the cool guys, <laughs> the Haken fans. They're, um, <laughs> no, they're, they're one of the top bands in the world, in my opinion, right now. Uh, they keep getting better. Um, this album is is uh, another step in their in their growth and yeah you don't write a better song than messiah complex i mean that's that's my song of the year i mean it's just it's so insane um i i don't know how you write anything like that honestly it's it's amazing so uh great uh all right and we're down to the uh final album on our list here what do you got nick so i guess it's no surprise uh, we've used the word prolific a lot tonight, or today, um, and of course one of the most prolific artists in, in, in the world of Prague remains Neil Morse, um, and his 2020 release, Solo Gratia, is my number one pick. Um, just think about how prolific Neil Morse is and, and, and how, how incredibly consistent he is with the quality that he delivers. I mean, I mean, just think, last year alone, he completed a rock opera, Jesus Christ the Exorcist, um, and he, he released the follow-up to a highly critically acclaimed double album, Similitude of a Dream, um, which, of course, was The Great Adventure, um, surpassing all expectations. Not, not enough, not enough. Then he, then he delivered another Flying Colors album. Um, and then started, of course, working on the transatlantic album. And then, then guess what? Surprise, surprise, the lockdown happened. What does Mr. Morse do? Take a holiday? Take a break? Nope. <laughs> he writes what is very conceivably, um, at least in the top three of his, of his so solo progressive rock albums. Um, now, he himself has, has compared Solo Gratia to the Question Mark and Solo Scriptura albums. Um, and it is intended to be not quite a sequel, but a follow-on to Solo Scriptura. So those are very lofty standards to try, and, to, to try and meet, especially in confined and restricted circumstances where you're writing and, and uh, recording all the demos remotely on your own, and then you're sending it to your drummer who happens to be Mike Portnoy and your, and your bass player who happens to, to be Randy George. And then you get, then you get um, some bandmates from the Neil Morse band being Bill Hubau and Eric Gillette to, to help out a bit here and there. But create the whole thing basically from scratch and complete it all during lockdown. It was released uh, in September. And yet again, Neil Morse does not disappoint. 
it's it's as good as anything the man has done of course it's 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 got um uh, the expected structure of a neil morse progressive rock solo album it's got the the overture it's got the big slow ending number it's got the peaks and troughs uh in between that you would expect but somehow while it still works remaining true to what his fans would expect of him he does not provide a formulaic album he provides something new within that structure which every Neil Morse fan will will love and anybody who doesn't know Neil Morse will listen to for the first time and think wow this is progressive rock at its finest. I better give this guy a listen, right? So it is symbolic of what he does, but it's innovative within the, the framework of, of what he does as well. I mean, High Points, it's a concept album. It's, it, it's, it's about the, apostles, the Apostle Paul and his conversion. Um, and uh, I mean, one's got to mention the song Seemingly Sincere, which is the longest, uh, the longest song on the album, but also remarkably um neil's first prog foray into a looped sort of keyboard um uh, uh would you call it electronica sound in in a certain part of the song then of course yeah, it goes right bit. back into dipping his, right back toes, into in, dipping his toes in it a, a yeah. little bit except it's not a machine toes, he plays right? all the notes right? if just, you see the video just showing <laughs> just showing that he can do it and then yeah. of course what happens later on in the song a Mike Portnoy drum solo. <laughs> I mean, every prog rock fan's dream. Wet dream. <laughs> the album, you know, I mean, I mean, we can mention other other moments on the album. Solo Intermezzo is just a, a, a brilliant, uh, a brilliant progressive rock construction. Overflow is that that emotion that we've come to expect from Neil on at least on, a, on at least one album uh, on at least one point of every album. Um, the big ending, the the the, the huge the huge um, uh, cl climax at the end, um, and uh, yes, it, it it has a religious theme, and without wanting to be controversial, you know, it it, it has to be said that spiritual matters lend themselves very well to concept albums and therefore to progressive rock. And, you know, whether, whether you find that to be, to be appropriate or not, if you haven't given the album the, the benefit of a listen yet, just do so with open ears. And, of course, you will not be disappointed. This is one of the men who, who, who paved the way for the resurgence of progressive rock. And um, uh, he, he remains one of the stalwarts of prog rock and, and uh, very deservingly, in my opinion, has, has produced the top album of, of 2020 in solo rock. I like the structure of the album a lot. I think it flows really nicely. The, you know, the opening 
uh, main song in the name of the Lord is just really good aggressive rock number, which I just think is, is, is a killer way to start it. Um, and then you get through a bunch of different songs and you get to sort of dip into where it gets mellow with overflow, which is, I mean, he just writes those kind of songs better than anybody. And that's my favorite song on the record. And then again, picking up until you get to the epic of, you know, uh, um, seemingly sincere and then the big epic ending just is a really good, easy listen for one of his records. It's sort of a, uh, it's taking a little bit of the Sola Scriptura vibe and putting it into a question mark kind of um, sequencing is how I sort of I, I just want to mention is. one more thing about the album, Roy, which, mm-hmm. which came, came to mind. Uh, only the last time I listened to it, that, you know, there's, there's been something that I've missed a lot in recent years, and that is that Neil Morse Fender-driven guitar tone. He has a very specific sound and style as a guitar player and uh, it's got to be said that you you know as the neil morse band has progressed and eric gillette has uh, has spread his wings he's taken most of the guitar duties but i've missed those neil morse lead solos which 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 are are very particular to his sound and that there was a welcome return of that on this album so yeah great i think I think the showcase of exactly what you're talking about, Nick, is the solo in Never Change. Yep. That, that climax uh, right yep. before uh, Seemingly Sincere, just that passionate, just, I mean, that guitar is like crying, you know, the Absolutely. message of that song. And it is, I, you nailed that in the head right there. That, that is exactly what makes that album so special. Uh, especially since it's been missing for a little bit. Uh, I got to mention that we all know each other because of Neo and his music. And whenever a Neo-related album is released, it's always an event for all of us. So we're all a little bit biased, but this one is really strong. I do love it. I think Seemingly Sincere is one of the top songs of the year, and it's very different from some of the stuff that he's made. A lot of, uh, it's the innovative stuff that he's done. That, I think, Building a Wall is very different too. It has that gospel uh, feel to it. Um, some some songs are more a general neo style, like the overture or overflow, which is very Spock's beard esque, in my opinion. I never changed to, but in general, it's just a very strong album, and I think it's very deserving of being any top five, top ten albums list. Uh, yeah, shout shout out to Rich Malzo also for the production. Yeah, the production's so. great. Um, so I think recapping uh, the last round here, we had Pineapple Thief, Versions of the Truth, uh, John Petrucci, Terminal Velocity, Kansas, Absence of Presence, Caligula's Horse Rides Radiant, Haken Virus, and Neil Morris, Solo Gratia. Um, solid yeah. group of albums. I think uh, 2020 was strong, man. You, you, you know, this year started off and you, didn't, you don't know half the time where these albums are going to come from and then they just start popping up. And uh, and we already know going into 2021, we're we're getting a transatlantic record to kick off 2021. So, not a bad way to start off. It's uh, already my favorite of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I have some concerns over the formats that they're releasing it in, but we can get to that. Get to I, that just, we can all agree that that the transatlantic release is just huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is huge, huge. and it uh, is large, and that's gonna be great. Stephen Wilson. 
is also coming out next year. Uh, but uh, again, guys, uh, always fun to do these podcasts. We hope uh, – I think we covered it pretty quickly. That wasn't wasn't too long. Yeah. We have time have for we, uh, honorable mentions. Honorable we, uh, mentions? Yeah, a few honorable mentions, some albums. Look, first of all, I, I do want to point out, we covered 18 of about 50-somewhat albums that we reviewed – it was a great year. It's it's tough to mention things. So, obviously, if we didn't mention uh, your favorite band or your band in in this, it's it's absolutely not, not a sign of uh, intentional neglect. It's just uh, it is how things shake out sometimes. And um, you know, a, a ton of great records. We can throw in a few honorable mentions real quick if you guys want. Uh, Jeff, you got a couple you want to mention? Yep. Um, studio albums, Magenta, Masters of Illusion, uh, Rick Wakeman, Red Planet, Steve Howe, Love Is, Dybal Longton, Between a uh, Breath and a Breath, um, live albums, lots of brilliant ones, uh, Neil Morse Band, Burno, Jesus Christ the Exorcist Live, Big Big Tree and Empire, um, Steve Hackett, Dream Theater, um, uh, Tiger Moth Tales as well, still alive. Another lockdown, uh, lockdown album, and um, two other things I, I've I've written down. Um, Project Ages, Matt Smith. Um, the rest is mystery. Was a was a track that he put out during the year, which is a multi artist thing, which is great. And also Mike Portnoy's uh, various home videos and collaborations were real uh, highlight of lockdown. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention just, I just have one honorable mention, which is, uh, this name is hard to say, but I, I hear it's Richard Hoiblum, mm-hmm. aka the guy from, uh, from Beardfish, one of my favorite bands that is no more, sadly, but he's carrying it with uh, his solo project, which called uh, Gunfly. He's released his out, new album called Alone Together. It's very lockdown inspired too. It's the follow-up to Friendship, which was my fa- one of my favorite albums in 2018. Very, very quality stuff. If you're a fan of Beardfish, check this out. Uh, if you've never heard of it either, check this out. It's great. Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, in terms of albums, uh, Derek Sherinian had The Phoenix that came out. Uh, another like amazing drummer on that one was Simon Phillips. Yep. Uh, also, Mick Stein and uh, Miniman. I only talk about albums with great drummers on them. Uh, but that's a really cool kind of experimental project. They've already got another one coming out like early next year. And uh, I'm, you know, Randy McStein is super talented. I'm excited to, for him to kind of land on what it is that he's going to do. And he's a part of some of these albums we already talked about. And then I think like when we talk about 2020, it's, it's appropriate that we ended with Neil Morris because that is an album that would not have existed had it not been for, for COVID. We would have gotten something else, I'm sure, because he makes music all the time. But what a cool thing to kind of... Um, sum up 2020 in some ways an album that was written uh by himself something he's not done in a while you know for a prog album that was recorded remotely the first time portnoy has done that remote from neil uh and then of course what came out of it was uh an event and of course morse fest is our annual pilgrimage of sorts to get to see each other and get to see the band and it was a huge disappointment to to be able to be there that's not a disappointment but to not be able to be there with you, with you guys. Now, Jeff was up on the screen kind of like Big Brother, but um, and I've got the little drum head back there. I finally won a drum head because they, once they eliminated all the other people, I had a good chance <laughs> you of winning. You had a chance to win. Um, but it was a remarkable event, like top-notch, which is credit to, to Neil and to Radiant and all those people. Um, but to be able to like have that album played 
and then for all of you to be online watching it, uh, that's the moment of 2020 that will stick with me most of all. Um, and then also Prague from Home is another event that was, you know, it's, it's, it's new territory. So in a year that really stinks and you could be down and kind of give up, there's been some really cool stuff for sure. Okay, so what can I say, uh, everybody? A, a terrible year for humanity, but a wonderful year for Prague. Uh, and maybe that's the point. You know, no matter what, music will always be here to, to, to cure us and, and, and help us. A um, few honorable mentions. The Frost EP and box set. Um, not sure of the timing of, of, of that release. But let's not forget about The Tangent, Auto Reconnaissance. Great album. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the the Magenta Masters of Illusion and Miniman and Maxstein. Maxstein and Miniman. There you go. Yeah, I think um, one of the highlights for me was getting to do the the Prop from Home concert and uh, and have you guys all involved and all the artists that we did and the success of that I think was um, was really great. And uh, and if you haven't seen that and you're listening to this, it's available on YouTube still. still. Out there. And it's, uh, it's done phenomenally well and uh, something we're all really proud of. Um, okay, so uh, again, thanks to everybody that uh, continues to support our website, the Prog Report, the podcasts, our downloads keep increasing and, and uh, you know, we're happy to uh, keep doing it as long as uh, everybody keeps enjoying what we're doing. We, have, we just uh, try and have some fun with all of this and, uh, and hopefully that comes across. One final quick thought, uh, as you know, Corona seems to be sort of like coming back and everything else. The reason why we did Prague from home and to, for the charities of the first responders and everything else, thoughts and prayers with them as this seems to be coming back with a bit of a vengeance. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet, but you know, just, uh, hang in there, everybody be safe and uh, common sense and we'll get through this together. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right guys. Well, thanks again. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll Bye-bye. see you all uh, in 2021. Listen to Rice Radiant. <laughs> Bye-bye.